Welcome, everyone, to Mystery, a podcast about myths and history. I am Bryant. Joined with me is Cammy, as always. Hello, Cammy. Hi, Bryant. How are you? You know, I'm here. I'm hanging in there. We're feeling a little stony. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Did you uh, have an encounter with a Gorgon? Oh, maybe I did. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, the cat's out of the bag, guys. This is the Gorgon Medusa episode. If you're just joining us, Mystery is a show that picks a topic such as the Gorgon of ancient times, and we are going to give you a little story about the Gorgon, and then we're going to talk about some of the history and facts. Well, I always say facts, but I mean, I guess there are facts. There's happened facts so long myth. ago, we don't know. Right. <laughs> But we're going to tell you a little more about it. And I have to say, uh, you know, we, we decided to do this a little bit ago, and I didn't know what to expect. I mean, we all obviously know who Medusa is, and y- you, know, you may not know the term Gorgon, but you definitely know Medusa. Um, but looking into this, it, it's a little deeper and crazier. Not crazy. It's crazy how deep it is. That's what's crazy. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, let's just go right into it. Cami, I know you've got a little story for us. Sure. I wanted to give a shout out to Savannah, who uh, gave us the last story in our last episode that we did with Peter. Um, She also brought up that she'd like to hear about Medusa and gave me, you know, a really good source. And so I'm going to go over my sources now. Ovid's Metamorphosis, Apollodorus, the library, Forbes.com. Rehabilitation or Rehabilitating Medusa, Powerful Women, Sexism, and Reading, Mary Beard's new book. That's by Sarah Bond. Uh, Wikipedia, Medusa, and the Grey's Entry. TheAtlantic.com, The Original Nasty Woman by Elizabeth Johnston. ThoughtCo.com, The Curse of Medusa from Greek Mythology by DeTracy Regula. And BitchMedia.org, Snake Eyes, The Power to Turn the Patriarchy to Stone by Mackenzie Swark. And Ovid, we're quoting, we're, we're sourcing Ovid and BitchMedia.com in one episode. Right. <laughs> so we're all familiar with the story of a gorgon with snakes for hair who would turn men to stone with her gaze. Most people are familiar with her death at the hands of the Greek hero Perseus. But I will tell you here for a refresher. So according to Apollodorus, Perseus had been ordered to bring the gorgon's head back as a wedding gift for Hippodamia. He was reluctant, but with the help of Hermes, or Mercury, and Athena, or Minerva, decided to embark on his quest. His first stop was to see the greys. These are the three women who were born as crones, so they were already old when they were born. They shared one eye and one tooth and would pass it to each other when the other would have a need for it. Perseus needed to know either where the objects were that he, that he needed to kill Medusa or some other information like where Medusa was located or something like that. But this, according to Polydorus, he needed three items. He got the information he needed and he set off to find these treasures. The helm of Hermes, the winged sandals of the nymphs, and there was a special bag called a cabiscus or cabiscus where it's basically a a wallet is kind of the translation but he could s- safely store the head in it and he and then hermes uh 
in addition to that, gave him a hooked blade to defeat the monster. Once the items were collected, he put on the cap, which hid him from sight. Then he put on the shoes, which allowed him to fly. He took to the air and flew to where the Gorgons were hiding. In this reading, Medusa was always a Gorgon, but she was mortal. This is why he was able to obtain her head. He snuck into her lair when all the Gorgons were asleep, passing statues of heroes frozen in time, but they were not meant to be statues. These were men who had peered upon the Gorgons, for their looks turned men to stone. Perseus used his bronze shield to navigate his way so he would not suffer the same fate. When he reached the sleeping three, he peered into his shield and basically cut the head off Medusa looking into his shield. Now, I'll switch to Ovid because he has some details of Perseus's journey back. As Perseus flew, he passed over Ethiopia, where Andromeda was chained to a cliff. Curious of her crime, he spoke with her. Her crimes were nothing more than her beauty and the jealousy of men. As they were speaking, a great monster rose from the sea to swallow the girl. But Perseus, thinking quickly and remembering the head he carried in his bag, must still hold some power because he saw snakes form from the drops of blood which hit the ground before he had stored it. He pulled out the head, and the great beast turned to stone. Perseus untied Andromeda and brought her back with him. He gave the head to Athena, who placed it on her shield. Now, I do want to do a bit of a content warning before I do this. There is sexual assault in this portion of it, so you can definitely stop here if you'd like. Now, that's the story we know, right? So that's the story of Perseus. He's, you know, slayed this monster. He's and a then, hero. And he has, like, he, he has her on it. He, he, we, we could do an episode on him and because he, he has that head with him and uses it several more times. Yes, yeah. He So he's, he's doing these things. Great hero. All of that. If Medusa was born a monster, we could accept this as a hero's quest. But what if she was born immortal? According to some, Medusa was the keeper of the temple of Athena. She was greatly devoted to her goddess and kept the temple for her. Poseidon Poseidon notices Medusa's great beauty and storms into the temple and rapes her in front of the statue of Athena. Instead of going after the god of the sea, Athena turns Medusa into the form we know her as today. Some say it was a punishment for being the victim to a crime. But modern readings argue that it was a way to protect the goddess from men and gods. So in that reading, she can turn a man to stone if he is looking at her. She's basically subverting the male gaze, Mm -hmm. which is where some of the um, like bitch media and that sort of thing kind of talked about. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was a really interesting reading because I'd never thought of it in that way before. Yeah. I've always thought of it as like, okay, she was punished unjustly for this thing that was done to her. Mm-hmm. But yeah. now it's almost as if she herself is a hero now because she can protect herself from her attackers at this point. Yeah. But what do you have, Bryant? Yeah, that it, it is. There's a, so it's insane how much. Like, like, there's a whole section on psychoanalysis and Medusa, and we got to talk about 
uh, you, you can't mention psychoanalysis without mentioning uh, Mr. Freud, right? Right. And so I'll start here. This will be a little weird, but I'll start here since it kind of connects well. And <clears throat> of course, he's got to go like Oedipal with it. <laughs> but it's interesting. So like this is this is kind of a, a, a I, I'm stupefying it for myself. Um, but it's it's a dumbed down version of it all. So I, I, there's there's much more serious thought to it, and there's much more psychoanalysis to it than what I'm bringing up. But Freud sort of brought the like the cutting of Medusa's head to like castration or yeah like a sort of castration. Um, I and I I think with like castration with Freud doesn't mean literal. I I don't know. You know it's weird. Like him and his mom that him and moms it's it's a weird thing. Um, like castrating the monster. Well, no, it, it, it's like an it's like a sort of allegory like seeing the monster <laughs> so so the medusa's head and the snakes are from freud's point of view signify uh like an allegory for like female genitals and seeing them is sort of a like a like the the it's sort of like a breaking of innocence in a way and and of like of course freud kind of tied it into like a boy and his mother and then the fear of the punishment of the father so piece that together how you will okay i i kind of clicked what you're saying right and it's it clicks but it's just like dude it's it's yeah obviously chill like... out seek help <laughs> um Seek your own help. Stop doing cocaine. I know. It's just like I, I, I like I was reading this and I was like, mm-hmm, okay, okay, what? Like, and I, was just, and I was like, who's who's doing this? Like, it's not. No, but it was it was interesting. And there's some other um, like uh, theories that sort of go beyond that. Um, I, I do like the kind of the the idea. One thing that was mentioned in this little section of Wikipedia too is that Medusa never reportedly stoned women. That's another interesting takeaway here. Is that I we, didn't know that. I was actually questioning yes. that, but I, know, I didn't really look into it. Right. Well, you know, to look into it would require a lot. And from those who have and the reports and the wonderful collections that uh, we've seen, it, it looks like that wasn't ever the case in art or in literature or anything like that. And so that's just a very unique thing is that she definitely was sort of it was only to the men but it is interesting the the history behind her so I'll, I'll go behind that a little bit because you know medusa and her two sisters are are what are called gorgons which comes from an old greek word that means like fierce terrible and grim and um uh forces and or no forces and Cato are their parents um which are like uh I think that they're descendants of Oceanus as well. So we're getting close to like the primordial terror monster beings kind of thing. Um, right. I know, I know Keto for one is like a crazy, scary monster thing. Uh, if I remember right, but the Gorgons themselves, they, they've been around. They're just as ancient as the ancient stories. Uh, again, for reference, um, well, when was Homer? Was he 800 BC? Hold on. Let me, <laughs> I should probably know that. I have no, no idea. I always look it up. He was born sometimes between the 12th and 8th centuries BC. That's from biography.com. I, I knew it was around the 8th is what I remembered off the top of my head. So so think of Homer is it, somewhere between the 12th and 8th centuries BC for Homer. Well, 
Gorgon wrote about uh, – or uh, Homer wrote about Gorgons. (laughs) Gorgons didn't write about Homer. (laughs) Um, Homer wrote about Gorgons, and so there's kind of that you know primary source material there. But they were super ingrained in Greek and and ancient culture as well and by by art and terracotta and things like that because we can see them in those um, very easily. And what's really interesting is – the the Gorgon imagery uh, apparently goes as far back as well. There's 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 idea like we see images on temples during uh, the Archaic period in 700 BC, so just sort of after Homer's time. But the 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 idea of the Gorgon is reportedly uh, could go even far back, even further than that before Homer, and so. Uh, there, there isn't. There's some reputes on that, but there's some interesting thoughts that when Homer wrote this stuff down, it was it was old news. It was stories then, and the the Wikipedia articles put a really good uh, way of putting it in like a, a pseudo religion or quasi religional sense, a religious sense uh, for the Greeks. And so it was just so ingrained in the culture, everybody knew what a gorgon was as they kind of, but they, they evolved, uh, of course. Anyway. It wasn't sort until... of like how we all know what one is because we see it on like the Versace logo. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The meaning and, and just like in in ancient times and, and the various like uh, time eras, uh, the meanings really do the meaning of it really changes um, because during the like classical and Hellenistic eras. Um, so we're getting closer and to the end of the B.C. era. Um, it sh- this is when we started seeing a shift. So before this time, the Gorgons were almost exclusively just these grotesque beings. So, like, I mean, they're, they're really bad. They're like these bearded, big-mouthed, huge fangs. Sometimes they have wings, claws, uh, tusks. I, I, I mean, like, it's just like someone just saw every animal and put it into one. <laughs> just every uh, bad part of every animal. <laughs> right, right, and just stuck it in there. And, and then, of course, snakes for hair. And so, uh, but during the Hellenistic period and cl- or the classic and Hellenistic period, it started to change into the the more uh, humanistic, with the, the the hair really being the main feature. And then, kind of from that point on, it started to change. And it wasn't really until like Ovid's Metamorphosis that uh, it became even more like popular. Um, but there are reports too. I mean, like I said, it goes back. Um, it, when Homer writes of the Gorgons, he writes of the image, the Gorgonea, which is like the, the head and face. That's what that's called. Uh, being featured on the, the Aegis of Zeus and Athena. Now in Aegis, it's actually, I didn't realize it's like, so Aegis is used in a lot of video games and and such and it's it's pretty much like a shield like that's what it is and that's definitely like like a, a, an item of defense is like what it's what it's its purpose is but apparently it's it's not it it may not have just been a shield um it it could have been like some kind of armor like leathery armor or of some kind or a specific piece of armor like that is actually worn on the body uh and it was and Zeus and Athena were were said to have worn this image on them and or like Gogan, a, a breastplate kind of possibly it, it's 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 hard it's unclear it's unclear okay but i know like a lot of video games will use it today and it'll just be like usually like a very stereotypical greek or roman smaller circular shield 
um, or, or something like that. Or it, like it could be a spell in a game that protects somebody. You know, it, ha- it has that connotation where it's it's protecting someone or something. And okay. and that actually that idea grew. And, and it's interesting because Medusa's name in ancient Greek actually means to, to like to guard, uh, interestingly enough. And so over time, people would like the temples uh, would would fe- feature her, and it seemed like I, the way I kind of came up with it myself is it was sort of like a monster to ward off monsters in a sense. <laughs> like I, I also wrote my notes, um, perhaps the get out of jail free card that Perseus had. Again, Perseus, like so, man, this dude, he's such a cheater. Invisibility, flying, like turn you into stone. Like, come on, dude, be like Her- Heracles and just you know pick up a lion and throw it. Um, he, Perseus would use this head um, several more times to stop foes or, or to like he, he stops Atlas. Um, one famous thing I, I'll hold off on saying more just because there's definitely an episode there in its own right. But I think like if, if we think of it in that way, you know, if, if you've got a, a picture, a Gorgonaeon is what it's actually called. Uh, if you've got a Gorgonaeon in your temple or your shield or something like that, you know, it, it, the, the idea is that. You don't want to look at Medusa, so therefore, you know, it's going to keep things away. If you can't look at it, it's going to keep you away. So it's just this interesting – it reminds me of um, in, in Japan and China and other Asian cultures, the Shisa dogs. They'll have the little two dogs that you put like in front of your house that just kind of ward off evil spirits. That's sort of the, the feeling that I get uh, from that. Yeah, yeah, just like an item of protection. Right, yeah. right, yeah. And, and it's just – it's interesting though because – it went from like horrible monster, like horrible ancient monster that's so well known, to I like a, a Nike logo. I don't know, you know, like it's just it, <laughs> it's it's so well featured. Like the Gorgonion is is so well featured, and there's of course iconic imagery of Perseus slaying the uh, Medusa. That's that's a very famous like image, uh, and even I I remember when I was in my Italian class. Um, uh, a few semesters ago, I, I did a little presentation on Sicily, and, and their flag is a Gorgonian head uh, with – I can't remember. It's like a try-something, but it's like three legs coming out of it and then three little uh, things of wheat because of its abundance of wheat and how it fed empires for generations. But um, but it's it's super important. I mean, if you know, Sicily to this day, it's their, a representative symbol of them. I had started my research – like I, I – I, metmuseum.org had a really great breakdown of it all and uh, it, it kind of introduced me to these ideas of the stories being older than what i thought and um in the first century bce when ovid uh he, he used sort of the first one to posit the story of poseidon attacking and and that like that didn't seem like it was a part of the story before um also the, the gorgons before or, or before this and 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 from from now uh, all time were known to be more uh, immortal but medusa is not and i guess but she's also a sister and it was interesting because i was like well these two other gorgons are just you know they're uh steth oh god it's hard to say stetheno and it's it's okay (laughs) i said it in my head earlier hold on stetheno Theno, Theno, there we go. Theno and Uriale uh, are the sisters, and they're they've always been Gorgons apparently, and they're immortal. Medusa became a sister later and is not immortal, obviously. So it's really interesting. I I didn't look too much on 
Steno and Uriale. It Medusa's the one that's the most well known. They each their names each mean something though. Medusa like Steno and Uriale's names sort of mean something with a kind of a negative connotation, but Medusa's is the one that kind of means to guard. And and like I said, it was it was really Ovid who kind of posited that later. Um, another interesting thing that I've read is the so like yeah. The punishment that Medusa, if she, you know, if she was just a shrine maiden who was punished for for doing essentially nothing, you know, well, as Poseidon gets to go scot free, it, it's really interesting. And there was a uh, a book. I'm trying to look through my notes. I'll have to probably add it in later. I had it in my my history. Uh, it looks like I didn't save it, but there's an idea that because of Zeus's basically daddy issues. Uh, she the the problems that she had with Zeus are sort of like the stemming it, it that that was her reaction so it's it's really Athena's the one to blame which we can say that a lot I'm sure but um that's sort of what the idea is is that because of Athena's always quarreling with Zeus and Athena has such pull and power over the domain though uh when this happens she's upset and she's furious but she she can't i i don't know like sort of what led to her not uh punishing poseidon in some way or reprimanding well, how how would she punish poseidon right like, what yeah. could she possibly do i mean he he's the ruler of the sea there's nothing she can do right but yeah there is just that in itself has a, a lot behind it there there's there's a ton of study there so, yeah, that's that's sort of the the basics. Um, the Met Museum website had a really really cool write up of it, uh, especially because it kind of focused on the art aspect of it, of course. But it is in, in incredibly crazy how deep just the idea goes. Um, one thing that came in I talked about too is that this legend might actually be a like a, a, a the Wikipedia um, calls it. A it could be an idea of a quasi-historical or subliminated or sublimated memory of an actual invasion. So basically, there was an attack um, on was it Athenian priests? The Hellens overran the goddess's chief shrines and stripped her priestesses of their gorgon masks. And later, being aptotropic faces warned to frighten away the profane. Oh the, oh, the latter being uh, – so they, they would wear these masks to frighten away profane, and they were attacked by the Hellens. And so this could be – the attack in general could be a sort of a remembering that got morphed into yeah, a quasi-historical. So this event happened, but it's – Medusa they was – They made a, like a, a mythology right, around it. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, like so there was a temple that, that would – like and other temples would have you know a Gorgonian imagery, but there was this temple that was attacked by Helens, destroyed, and the mass destroyed, and then that word was spread, and you know, like you play that game, uh, what was it called, like phone call or whatever, where you like whisper something into someone's ear in a circle, and then <laughs> right. by the end of it, it goes, you know, and then Homer crazy. writes it down at the end, and it's not and, anything like the original, and then yeah. he's cashing in on the royalties. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a really cool way, and that's that that also ties into um, uh, Freudian stuff uh, as well. Like uh, this uh, actual historic rupture, uh, sociological trauma, which kind of gets turned into a myth. 
and then kind of morphs over time. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of wild. Yeah. There was <laughs> definitely more here than I originally thought there would yeah. be when Savannah suggested it. I was like, yes, of course we'll do it. I'm not sure how much is going to really be there. Right. And then come to find out this is, I mean, just right. way yeah. more fast than yeah. I expected. It's, it's interesting because we've done similar stories uh, like Greek or Roman myths that we've talked about. And it's typically just you just you talk about it. But what's interesting about this one is because the myth is so old and the idea is so old of, of Gorgon's. And, and Medusa, it, it's been used in imagery for so long, and the imagery will take different meanings and it'll change. And so Medusa would, would you know, you'd have a depending on what year it was, having it Medusa on your shield could mean something completely different, or would be would be different for someone else. It's it's <clears throat> I think of it kind of like how Hercules is so universal and different, and how I can find a story of Hercules in Spain and Morocco and, you know, I, I can do all these things because he, and the, and the thing that connects him is his name in a way, Medusa, right. but, but Medusa is interesting because it takes on a, like an intellectual sort of argument here rather than like a cultural or regional, like Hercules would. I'm sure there's tons of intellectual crap behind Hercules for sure. But the story yeah, like is the like, idea is Athena, you know, subverting the patriarchy or is she upholding it? Right. Yeah. The yeah, punishment. The, yeah. The source that I like, it, it sort of seemed like, yeah, she she like lost her cool, essentially. And she didn't. Right. Yeah. Like she she and that, that's the way you could think of it. Well, was she was she giving Medusa the tools she needed or was she punishing her because she was just P.O.'d and couldn't do anything about it? But even then, it, it's there's 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 even more to it. I mean, Freud obviously can see things we don't, but um, there's even more. <laughs> more. It's the, it's the cocaine. I know. Yeah, it's really it's really wild. I I really like how wide this goes, and how the Gorgons can be. I mean, just go to the Wikipedia and you can see imagery where they look like just beasts or where they look fine. And there's like it's it's a woman, you know, or, or a man. Yeah, like, I did you, actually see where some authors and I cannot remember which it was, if it was in Olive Ovid or Apollodorus, but she was so beautiful. Mm hmm. That it turned men to stone. Like, it may not have even been that she was a monster. It was, like, so-and-so set. It may have even been... Um, it may have even been one of those other articles that I read, too, now that I'm thinking about Because both of them saw her as, like, a snake-haired beast. But, yeah, she was she was so beautiful that she would turn men to stone if they gazed upon her. Oh, like as a means of preservation in a way. Um, yeah, so that would go more towards the other. You right. Know, towards yeah, I I totally forgot too. In in my section where we kind of talk about um the 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 protective aspects, um there's sort of a a theory that the there's the idea of like an evil eye, uh, which is prominent in certain myths and legends, um especially like uh, in Hindu mythology, like the uh, Kali. 
Yeah, we yeah, talked about, like that. about that a little bit in was it the Sahir? Sahir? Yeah. Yes, yeah. That was a good episode. Um but that the Gorgonian is a great way to counter that. Uh in a way. And if you think about it, that's totally right. I mean, Medusa, the Gorgonian head, it you don't want to look at it. And so but it it's it's interesting. So that that would be the perfect defense against someone who's sort of inflicting the evil eye. Um, yeah, it would. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a really interesting way of taking that. I almost forgot that. Well, so, let's all get each other uh, Medusa bracelets to, or something. Yeah, Gorgonaeon's <laughs> out for everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'll, before I forget my sources, I kind of took a little bit. Like I said, I started with Met Museum, of course, Wikipedia, but Ancient EU had – a nice little uh, summary of the story. I knew the story of, you know, per- I, I knew that Percy's killed Medusa, but I, I didn't realize it was uh, a gift for his mum's lover, basically, is what I wrote. Because <laughs> he couldn't be bothered. Oh, but sorry. He- I, I'll give you any gift you want. Okay. Uh, like, how about the invisible cap or the flying wings or, you know, like, come on. Um, <laughs> well, then he gave it to Athena in the end, so. I know. I know. It's insane. <laughs> but then also, um, Greek mythology. Oh, um, wait, wait, wait. Hmm. He was supposed to find a horse for as the gift, but he didn't get a horse for whatever reason. I didn't really read too much into oh, it. Oh, sure. I, well, and you know, um, do you remember what what happened immediately after Medusa's uh, head flew off her shoulders? Oh yeah, Pegasus sprang out of it, right? And his brother. Oh God, how do you pronounce it? Chrysor. Uh, the giant Chrysor. Chrysor uh, is a. Oh, let me see real quick what the. I'm just gonna pull up the Wikipedia real fast. Um, he's, it's this. It's the brother of Pe- the winged horse Pegasus, uh, often depicted as a young man, the son of Poseidon and Gorgon Medusa, and now and, Pe- and Pegasus is the son of Poseidon and Medusa. I um, did know that. Okay, so this and, was like. Yes. Just in her the whole time. Yes. Huh. Yeah. They were inside of her and were birthed through her uh, neck. Through, yeah. They shot out of her neck. They sprang from her neck when she was cut. Um, headed uh, her a higher birth, such as the birth of Athena from the head of Zeus. Oh, that's interesting. Oh wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because so that, yeah, that's how Athena was born too. That is kind of yeah. Weird. So so, oh god. Yeah, he, he, Chrysor doesn't seem to be like super talked about, but he was said to be born with a golden sword in his hand too. Yeah, There's that's so wild. much here. <laughs> I know, and then yeah, if, if they're born in the same way that Athena was born, maybe this was Athena's plan to get Pegasus. I mean, Pegasus and Chrysor out. I mean, how important is Pegasus? You know. Yeah, this is. There's so much. There's just so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy. I I will be linking. I, I'm gonna find that piece. I'm really I, I apologize for not finding what I talked about with sort of the idea of um, studying Athena's kind of rea- like play part in this. But there's also this great uh, book, an older book from it was published in 1955, but it it was written by. Jane Ellen Harrison, who died in 1928, so I guess it was like a posthumous thing, but it's not copyrighted. I'm gonna uh, link that. It's it's called Prolegomena, Prolegomena uh, to the Study of Greek Religion, and this is I read. Uh, this was linked in the Wikipedia um, 
for the reading section in, in uh, resources, and it talked about it, it. It's the source that talked about this predating Homer uh, by by a long time and being sort of yeah by by going way back. And it also talked about certain things. It talks about like a lot of Greek religious uh, influence and harpies as well, who like apparently the harpies, the the, the winged, the bird-like women. Um, there was some crossover between the harpies and the gorgons in some aspects, but it's it's really cool. It, it's I, I flipped through a few pages. Uh, I, I basically just con- you can control F it. You can put it in Google or whatever PDF, Amazon, Kindle, whatever you wanted to, and then control F, and that's what I did. And I just looked at whatever. Uh, bits and bobs that were on Gorgons and Medusa, so uh, I'll put that in there. I've got that saved for sure. Cool. Well, Cami, thank you so much. Thank this you, Brian. Has been, yeah, a, a can of worms <laughs> that we opened. Um, and then there was and, like a little worm at the bottom that we found as well at the end. <laughs> I know. And there's there's still way more. So, but yeah, check out that. Uh, link and I'll link the uh, it, it was a uh, an article you have to I only read the abstract of it you have to pay to get the rest um, but guys I, we hope you enjoy the episode please let us know what you think and if you have any suggestions let us know thanks again Savannah for everything with you've been helping us out with lately it's really appreciate it um, we really appreciate the support and all that well Cammy uh, I and they will see you next time right Okay, guys, so right after we finished recording, I found it, and this is really interesting. So uh, the International Journal of Psychoanalysis is where this is at. It's by Beth J. Sealing. Uh, it's called The Rape of Medusa in the Temple of Athena, Aspects of Triangulation in the Girl. And so this is an interesting thing. Like I said, it, it, it the way she kind of presents it is the focus of Athena's relationship with Zeus as well as the – uh, host- I'm going to quote the hostility she displays toward other females um, and sort of female development, uh, especially like younger girls um, who are being developed. So a sort of oh – God, again, we've talked about it. We've beaten this a little bit, but there's still so much to go on. But I guess there's something to say here about um, events happening turning that turn you outside of your control that turn you into a monster you know that make you feel like a monster or or make others see you as a monster i don't think that's exactly what um dr ceiling is saying right here but this is really cool i'll i'll uh, link it i'm sure you could it's from 2002 so if you check certain journal sites you might be able to get a, a free copy uh or some more on it at least so i she probably has other work but yeah that's oh god it's insane Well, thanks for finding that. Yeah, no problem. All right, guys. See ya. Bye.